Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. How do you like the tone of my voice? Uh, my name is Ed Krasnick, my partner, Jennifer Kalari, coming along in just a moment. We have an amazing show. Our show is about mental health, but it's really about skills. It's about mental health as a practice. It's about mental fitness. It's about a lot of things that we can actually do. And when I say we, I mean me. The show is only for me. It's mainly because I'm a mess and Jennifer is here. So it's really free therapy. Um, but no, it's really... Uh, we don't practice, you know, generally, uh, people don't look at it as a practice. A lot of people talk about mental health and well-being, but it is little choices. Something that you do, something that you do consciously, uh, can make a big difference in your life and your well-being. So that's what the show's about. We, we have comedians, entertainers, all kinds of artists, all kinds of people, uh, who come in, uh, basically talk about their life issues. And then Jennifer, we give them skills and we practice together. So that's it. If you're expecting something else, get out. No, you, you're still welcome to stay. Um, so on today's show, we have a terrific actress, comedian, a host, a podcast host, fresh off a run of her solo show at the world-famous Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago. Crazy or nah was the name of the show. Kelly Howard. Kelly is here. And I'm, I'm sorry I sound like I'm doing the weather. But I'm really not. I'm, I'm, it's the emotional weather map that we're looking at. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Beyond Compare. Beyond Compare is a new service that actually compares you to others you think are better than you. Through its patented matching technology, Beyond Compare lets you see the qualities you're projecting onto your favorite celebrities because they really are better than you. Or are they? You may be surprised to find out that you have the passion of Beyonce, the focus of The Rock, and the attitude of Kylie Jenner. Beyond Compare helps you see what you project onto your favorite people, that it actually comes from you. The free version doesn't tell you any of that, but the premium version has all of it. Beyond Compare, Beyond Them, Beyond You, Beyond Bed, Bath, and Beyond. It is National Recovery Month, and it's also National Suicide Prevention Month. Is there some kind of Olympics or contest? where somebody can just claim the month? Uh, do they check calendars? All of this is very urgent, and I'm glad that we're bringing light to it. Uh, if you have a serious issue and need help, you can call 988. You can call 988. You can find out more on 988.org. You can call 988. It's the National Suicide Prevention Helpline. Right now, people are standing by right this second. There are so many great organizations out there. Dee Dee Hirsch. D-I-D-I-H-I-R-S-C-H is a whole suicide crisis counseling center here in L.A. You can find more at ddhirsch.com or ddhirsch.org. And you got to check out the Confess Project. The Confess Project is an organization that trains barbers in black neighborhoods to become mental health advocates. Find out more at confessproject.org. Now, we always like to welcome listeners, no matter what issues you're having, here are a few emotional shout-outs. If your significant other describes to you to friends as the Daily Beast, welcome. If you think there should be a survivor-like game show where politicians go to a remote island to face off and raise campaign funds and stop texting you for donations, welcome. Welcome. 
If your therapist is dressing in a Civil War reenactment outfit to get you to express your anger, welcome. If you've stopped using the phrase, a royal pain in the ass, as a tribute to the Queen, welcome. If you think the Emmy Awards are meaningless but consider it an honor just to be nominated, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. Now, I want to, before we get into this, because we're today with Kelly Howard, we're going we're gonna to talk about trauma, which is, uh, you know, a big subject in the world today. But we also have a new segment where we ask comedians, friends of the show, celebrities, all kinds of people from the world of entertainment to send in a question, an audio question that they record uh, about something that's on their mind. So today we have veteran of the Tonight Show, shows like Pretty Little Liars, Everything to Mad Men, to all kind. she's been in it for so long, friend of the show. We have a question from Kathy Ladman. It's a short one, but I'm going to play it. I don't have the technology or the skill right now to uh, play it through the system, but I'm, I'm going to play it off my phone. So here we go. Here's, here's Kathy Ladman's question of the day. Hi, Ed. I'd be so interested in hearing what people do when they're starting to feel self-doubt and fear. How do they keep themselves from getting too far gone? Okay, that's Kathy's question. When somebody has self-doubt or fear, how do they keep themselves from spiraling? How do they keep themselves from being too far gone? It's time for the Cleopatra of the Cerebellum the Lazarus of the limbic system, and the Apollo of the amygdala, Jennifer Kalari. Okay, so uh, Jennifer, how do you stop that spiral from going on? Yeah, it's a, admin. it's a good question. And it's, it's one that so many of us struggle with, right? It's that inner world, that inner voice that can just derail us and it's just constantly nattering in the background. So the first thing to, to realize about that voice is it doesn't actually hate us. It's, it's not actually trying to ruin us. It's trying to save us. So this is such an important concept. It's, there's this ancient programming in us that you know is, is ready in case there's a flood or a famine or a war or something. And it, it, that little voice is like, don't get too comfortable. Don't get too happy because it could be gone tomorrow. And it's this, th there's this sort of survival drive to it. But it plays out in modern life in ways that are just so derailing. But like any emotion, if we ignore it, it gets louder. So the more you try to push that negative thinking away, the more that that sort of negative talk comes back at you. So step one is to just realize that it's self-preservatory. It's just misguided. That that voice is, is overdoing it at the wrong time in the wrong place. So step one, as crazy as it sounds, is to actually just recognize that that's an ancient program that's running. It's trying to save you from something survival-based. It's just not applicable right now. And when you can sort of thank your voice for that, and you can thank it, but remind us that it, we, it reminded that you don't need it right now, it will often go away. And the second, and this is really important, is to just, is to just gently witness yourself having these thoughts. And then step three is to find a thought that is slightly better thought in the opposite direction. Right. So if your voice says uh, you're a loser, you haven't done enough. Let's today. do it. Let's do it. I'm okay. going to do the voice and then you do the response. Oh, you're going to be the voice. OK, yep. I love I'm going to be okay. the voice. Okay. OK. You're never going to make it. You're always going to be this way. You're a loser. Loser. OK, that's pretty accurate. That, that voice is in there for a lot of people. OK, so step one is to treat that 
the way that I just said that it's trying. So what it, the translation of that is, don't get so comfortable. You respond to it, Jennifer. You respond okay, to okay. the voice. Absolutely. So the voice would be, so I would say, you know what? Thank you. You are sassy and feisty and powerful and strong. And you were always coming out swinging. And your real job is to keep me safe. Cause you think if I fail, I'm going to be destroyed. So I actually love you for doing this, but it's actually not something that I can use in this particular instance, but you're awesome. Now, what does the voice say? Thank you. <laughs> Bye. I think. <laughs> um, well now, so, so that's a, that's an, now look, um, you might just do, you might have to do some kind of, you might just do program. Yeah. You might you just say program. the word program. You could just witness yourself thinking that. And, and it sounds so silly, but this is actually how emotions work. The, the, it is not designed to destroy you. It's it's trying to keep you safe so you don't make a big mistake or you don't get disappointed or you don't take on more than you can actually handle that could kill you. Like that's literally what that part of your brain is doing. And so if you turn around and actually speak it, speak like that to it, it will often soften. It will get a little bit quieter. Emotions, right? thoughts. Two-way street, two-way dialogue, two-way. And there, it's information. It's your body trying to tell you something. So if you ignore it and argue with it, it's going to intensify. You're not listening. You don't understand. This really is bad, right? And the voice gets louder and meaner and harsher in your head. So that's step one. And then step two is to be the witness, to just notice that program running, like you just said, Ed. Program. And then the third is to find a thought. So what did the voice just say? You're a loser. You, yeah. You're never going to do anything. Yeah. Okay. So you find a thought that is slightly better than that thought. Okay. So this voice in my head is telling me I'm a loser and I can't do anything and I won't be successful at anything. But I can entertain the possibility that there are actually some things that I'm not too bad at. Maybe I feel right now that I'm crappy at a lot of things but I was pretty good at this small thing yesterday or this small thing today. So you're basically, it's like climbing a ladder where you're just finding a thought that's slightly better than the thought before. It can't be too big, but I'm really good at this and I'm really good at that because that voice is going to go, no, you're not, right? right. Give up, right? Give it, up. It can't, right? Yeah, it yeah. Can, we sound like Batman. It can't <laughs> be that big of a gap. Your brain won't like that, but it, you could find a little one. I'm not too bad at this. And the other day I was okay at that. And I really like this. Or you can find a very neutral thought to think about. Something you see outside your window or something that you don't have a lot of feelings about. It doesn't matter. This, it this chair is comfortable. I like the sun. The chair, anything. And focus on that. And slowly, hmm. little by little, this is basically alchemizing. This is metabolizing. This is feeling the feeling and then making slight adjustments so it doesn't freak out and double down on you. And over time, this is why we say this is a practice all the time. This is something you have to build muscles for. You have to practice doing this. But if you keep doing it little by little by little, it will get easier and better and better. And that program will stop running and the new program will start running. And the one thing, and the one thing that I'll, I'll say, though, even if you just, even if today you just notice that you have the voice, mm -hmm. that's a great step in the right direction. Yeah. Even you know if even if you just take a breath, even if you just say, wow, that's a loud voice. Yeah, I had a conversation. This is literally yesterday with a client of mine who was talking about that voice. And he literally made it sound like your voice. And it was, you're a loser. Just do it. Like it was just this awful voice in his head. And he started to do what we talked about. And then he started to sort of 
laugh and smile when he thought about that voice. Like he almost made it kind of a comical voice. Yeah. And at one point he was able to really find a little bit of peace and a little bit of humor in it. And that voice has been getting quieter and quieter and quieter for him. So it's, it's adjusting the lens. It's just playing around with this lens that is your brain, what you focus on, what you pay attention to, the stories that you tell, and realizing that you're the thinker of your thoughts and you're the feeler of your feelings. And none of this is easy. This takes practice and commitment. Well, I'll tell you what it's easier than. It's easier than beating the shit out of yourself for 45 years. Tell, yep. Let me tell you that right now. That is much more difficult. Mm -hmm. um, okay, well, I want to bring in, and thank you, Jennifer, so much. Um, I want to bring in our guest because she's been patiently waiting and we've had uh, has... four, four different starts and stops. So now, I've, all the way from Chicago, all the way from all kinds of TV, all kinds of stand-up, a podcast, actor, performer, and this new show uh, about something I really want to talk to her about, trauma and, and an emotional journey, doing it through poetry, doing it through stand-up, doing it through comedy. Uh, Crazy or Not is the name of the show, and it premiered at the Steppenwolf Theater, which is an incredible theater in Chicago. Kelly Howard. Kelly, are you first of all, are you here? And secondly, are you still alive? Oh, no, I left about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Kelly. Hi. Thanks for well, having me. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. Well, now, first of all, uh, you know, I was watching a clip of you being interviewed on a show and it was like a daytime show. And mm -hmm. it was it was the people were great, actually. But they had that daytime thing where <laughs> they have to. That's what they're supposed to do is is. Well, we're here. We're talking about trauma. <laughs> let's talk about some trauma right now and you were great and uh, uh but this show crazy or not this this came from a very uh dark place in your life so what i, I don't want to make you go through all of that again but tell us about this this journey and what you started with and what you came out of it with um this show is actually uh my is, is a, not just a dark place in my life, but a pattern of dark places in my life, which led to the questioning, the introspection behind the lasting effects of trauma and childhood trauma specifically, like how these things continue to show back up in different places in our lives disguised as different things, but it's really just that one moment that happened in your childhood that just keeps repeating itself. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, that's what this show and crazy or not is the questioning of those of that um, trauma and and how much control do we have over it um, versus it being a chemical imbalance. When I was diagnosed with a mental illness shortly after losing my second child, my 15 month old daughter, I had already lost a son um, some years prior and then I was diagnosed with this mental illness and, and it just kind of, it really like shook me in a way of like, it made me question everything. It made me question, you know, decisions I'd made in the past, who I was today, how much, how long can you hold on to grief? Um, what does grief look like in long-term? Um, do certain life events make a person crazy? You know, it just, I mean, it was all of these things that kept coming up for me. And because I had heard that this mental illness, I was diagnosed with bipolar mania. I'll just say what it is. When I was diagnosed, it reminded me of hearing a cousin's 
girlfriend that was diagnosed when I was like eight or nine years old and how the entire family just like so many people called her crazy. Like so many people was like, I knew she was crazy. I knew this, I knew that. And it, I just went back to that place when I was eight, the moment I was diagnosed some 25 years later, I just felt crazy. You know what I mean? So I was like, wow, what do I do with all of these feelings now? Yeah. And that's what I was thinking. I was thinking about what what happens when you get the label, you get the diagnosis. Is it a it's is it a relief or is it something else to be scared of? So it was kind of a mix of both for me. It was a relief in a sense of like, oh, well, that makes sense. Why? While I can't control my emotions and why I lash out, blah, blah, blah. But then there was this other part of me of like, for one, how much control do I want to give to others? Mm -hmm. on who I am and how I show up. And the only way I can give that control to them is by not doing anything to have some sense of control over myself. And so when I was diagnosed, it really sent me on this journey of questioning, of looking for answers, which made me realize that it's not that I didn't have the answers. I just wasn't approaching some of the traumas of my past with the right tools. I wasn't never given the tools. I had never, you know, been to therapy. It was it was something that our family kind of shunned upon. You pray about it. Right. So I started to seek out into therapy. Um, other things like. I mean, deeper practices like outside of prayer, because when you get stuck in this whole idea that you pray about it, then that kind of takes the control out of your hands, too. It's like, oh, well, God gave me this. Right. right. <laughs> and so, you know, I started to write. I started to meditate. I started to do things differently than how I had been told to cope in the past. It was no longer just about praying. It was more about like cent centering myself, finding calmness and peace in my in myself um, and all of that stemmed from being diagnosed with a mental health, mental illness. So for me, as much as I would like to say like, oh, I felt crazy and it, it, it honestly changed my life in the best way possible because I realized how much control I actually did have over so much stuff that I never even looked to, to search for the control. I was on autopilot, essentially. All of the stuff that you just said, I have to lay down. I mean, I'm like, that is so intense. There is so much that, that has happened to you. The grief that you bring up grief, which is actually an amazing teacher that we run away from, just like sadness. We run away. Yeah. But and grief has so love. much to teach you. It's when you're the most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And it's also when you're the most you. Yeah. Um, so, so I, you know, what, so there was childhood trauma. And then there were the things that you experienced with the loss in your life. So is it that the loss triggered the childhood trauma or how did it how did it all work? So I like to lay it out there. I like to lay it out there thick and just out out in the open. So I was at, at like around age for one, I grew up with my grandmother until age 10. I grew up with my paternal grandmother because my mother was um, an addict at the time and she was trying to get clean. And so I was living with my paternal grandmother, but my father wasn't, though he was there, he wasn't really there. He lived like with his girlfriend and her daughter, coincidentally, who name is also Kelly. Kid you not, not his daughter, her daughter. Wow. So <laughs> this is my childhood. My father living with this woman and her daughter named Kelly, me being raised by my paternal grandmother also being molested in that same household by an older cousin. And then my grandmother dies at 10. 
So <laughs> once my grandmother passes away, now I'm just this floating kid for about a year or so where my dad is trying to figure out what does he do with me? And then I go move with my mom. My mom was fresh out of rehab, trying to get herself together. So we really didn't have a great relationship. And I didn't have a really good relationship with my older brother either because he wasn't my father's child. So he didn't live with me. He always thought that by me living with my grandmother, I somehow had it easier or better. But in fact, I was in a house of 15 to 20 different people at any given time when I lived with my grandmother. Like it was a house full of people and I was the youngest. So as much as as lavish as it appeared to be, you know, I faced a lot of traumas that I don't even I haven't even unpacked yet from being within that household. My father shot someone in our kitchen when I lived in that household, dead in our kitchen. Like it's so much stuff that I can't even process because then I go on to live life and I have a child at 16 that passes away. And then my brother commits suicide at age 23. And then, well, I was 23, he was 25. Then I have another child. And during all of this time, I'm just going, like literally nonstop. I'm just moving, I'm just keeping it moving. I have another child in between there. So now I'm a mother, I'm getting migraines constantly. I'm talking every single day, debilitating migraines. So I'm just really trying to exist to a point where I don't even realize that I have trauma. It's not until I start going to therapy and start talking to people when they were like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, listen, what you've just said right now, just in these 20 minutes is enough to, it's enough to put me like, I want to lay under a railroad track. I don't even know what to say uh, to you. I, I don't know how you got through. I don't know how you survived and got through all of those issues and all those things that happened to you. And then you 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 go to therapy. So obviously therapy and all of it. I think what's interesting, Jennifer, is that she Kelly starts being curious about it. Mm-hmm. Like rather than just be overwhelmed by it, she starts being curious. How much control do I have in my life? Yeah. What? How do people do that with trauma? I, I don't understand. It's amazing. And that's that's real strength, right? That is the will to live. That is the. The desire to kind of understand what's happening is huge. Kelly, wow, I, I don't know what to say, but I think that trauma, people don't realize that trauma, and that's why when Kelly asked how much control do you have, like trauma lives in your body. Body keeps the score. Yep, absolutely. And and your mind will separate and um, compartmentalize and disassociate just to keep you going. Like, as you said, you just kept going, like you had no choice, right? Absolutely. You know, it, it, people, people don't realize that it's just not a matter of like unpacking where the trauma came from. Like you, you really have to figure out how much of a voice you give it, how much it's going to take over in your life. And the people who recover and move on and get strong and help others, you know, the difference is they choose not to live as victims their whole life, which, and I'm not, I'm hearing that from you, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's huge. That's brave. That is brave to do that. I, I have well, the, always been very like I've always been a very curious person anyway, but I I'm like when when something doesn't feel right to me, I always like you said earlier about the um observing the emotion when that voice comes up, that critical self wants to try to take you or 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 or, or shake you into fear to keep you from doing something. Yeah. You know, I've always been the kind of person that was like critical about that. Where where did that voice come from? Who yeah. gave me that voice? You know, was that was I born with that voice? Are we all born with this? Who is that? Voice? Yeah. Or is this yeah. learned? Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
That's right? what, but I think that's what, that really is what changed this for you, right? And so many people don't even know to ask that question. They don't even know they're traumatized. That, that's what's so hard. No, they're just walking around. Many, many people are walking around. I mean, you're, you know, everybody has their own version of it. Your, your story is like, if you listed out the stuff, it would be like, oh my God, I can't even, like, this is, this is beyond the Netflix series. This is like the, you lived it a lot, you know? So it's a lot, it's a lot for anybody. And Ed and Kelly, what's interesting is it sometimes our earliest traumas, things that you might not even have remembered Kelly, when you were little, we we have something called implicit memories. Mm -hmm. So the the brain actually can't store long-term memories until you're about six or seven. You know, prior to that, you might have like one or two memories of something, you know, fairly intense, but mostly you don't, we don't have a lot of memories prior to the age of seven, which means they're stored in your body. It's like a tattoo, like they're literally stored in your body. And then every other event that happens that's similar to that triggers that original trauma, right? Yes. It's, it's a, it's a beast. So I like, I really got, I kind of, I tripped into learning about what was going on with me. And and I got so excited that I was finding answers. <laughs> yeah. But that just led to more and more curiosity, more therapy, more, oh, well, what's this pain in my left knee? Like that's how <laughs> wow. that's amazing. You did, you did, yeah. The, your mind, uh, the way you interpreted these things is amazing. And you did different kinds of therapy. Oh, yeah. That's what I, I love. You didn't just go into you didn't just go into one kind of therapy. Just list the different kinds of therapy you you went into. Oh, God, I've tried. OK, so I've done CBT several because you have to find a therapist that works for you. So that's a whole filtering process in, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've tried several of those. I've tried hypnotherapy. I've tried ayahuasca. I've tried Reiki. I've tried EMDR. I've tried um uh, this it's kind of like a they call it like a sensory body body therapy, but they don't somatic. touch you. Somatic stuff. Somatic. Somatic. Yep, 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 yep. That's the name of it. I've mm-hmm. done floating multiple times. Um, I mean, I Amazing. I've tried it all. Like I'm 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 I've tried light therapy, sound therapy. Like <laughs> yeah. Well, you made a you made a priority of your life, and you were curious about everything that would help you to heal. So you tried yeah. different things. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting is, is bipolar, it, it, it kind of think of it, at what it as what it is, right? It, it's bipolar. It's two complete opposites trying to exist in one person. Yes. Right. So what's so interesting is it's, it's kind of like a pendulum, right? When you're, when you're too much on one side, it certainly sucks and you're suffering and it's awful, but what's happening is all this energy is building up on the other side. Mm-hmm. And if you're brave enough to go there, in equal and opposite to your trauma is this fight for life to find the answers, to claim your own power, to figure it out. And that's what's so incredible. Like, that's just amazing to me. And so many people are either scared to do it or, or, you know, there's, there's, you know, stigma about going to therapy and and even finding a therapist can be a nightmare. Like you really do have to find someone who fits, but one of the most interesting things, and I think Kelly, your life kind of exemplifies this is you can look at a mental illness as uh, a sickness, as something that, you know, defines you, or you can look at it as a portal to Mm -hmm. finding something else and you can learn strategies and you can learn to live with it. And it certainly will be a part of you, but there's this other part of you that just went seeking. And I love that. 
So I kind of omitted some things, but I, so I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, but six months later I was diagnosed with, uh, I mean, I was diagnosed with bipolar mania, but six months later I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So when I got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, I kind of didn't have the time to go get a second opinion about the bipolar mania, mm-hmm. which kind of made me focus in on my health. Right. I started to look for things to slow down inflammation in the body and ways to control how how this particular illness was going to try to take over my mobility, right? Because that was more pressing for me. Right. And so that led me to meditation and things to calm the mind because stress is a huge in, in, inflammatory in yes. the body. Yeah. And it right. and it stays around much longer than like most people think. Like you can you can get you can have road rage and somebody tries to cut you off and you yell, you stupid, whatever, for that split second. That it, that inflammation that occurred from that split second of yelling at somebody is literally still in your body like eight hours later. Yeah, it reverberates through your body. Absolutely. Amazing. For Amazing. hours. So yeah. when you look, when you know, when you can see it like that, when you're like, oh, wow, then how much is road rage really worth? You know what I mean? So <laughs> you true. Kinda, yeah. You kind of know I, what is happening. How I don't want to carry this stress. I don't want to carry, carry it. it. Yep. it Leads your battery. It just does. Absolutely. 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 You yeah. charge your phone, but not yourself. Well, but you but can not yourself. The yeah. person yeah. you yelled at, like, would, doesn't even know you were yelling. They're driving. Doesn't even know. They didn't even know they cut you off. Right. So that's so interesting. But yeah. also talking back to the feeling and, and recognizing it and saying, oh, I see it coming up. Oh, well, what's that yeah. about? The other thing I'm struck by too is your body will talk to you. And sometimes it will talk to you through a physical illness. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't listen other ways. So, okay, what am I going to do that's going to get her to listen? Mm-hmm. And physical things usually get us to listen. There's an amazing book written by Dr. Gabor Mate. Yeah. It's called When the Body Says No. And he talks about the link between different types of diseases and trauma. Oh, I and would love to read trauma. that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, he's brilliant. He has Gabor a new Mate. book actually coming out too. It's phenomenal. Yeah. He's There's online a, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a huge connection. Your it, your body talks to you, and it'll get your attention any way that you can. The body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I uh, you know oh, go ahead, Kelly. When I when I went to a I went to a chiropractor like around age 35, I think it was, or 34, and it was right after I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and his website said MS and migraines, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. perfect. So mm-hmm. I went to him, and I'm talking to him, and He's doing all this work in my neck and in my back. And he was like, who told you you had migraines? I was like, well, I was diagnosed with migraines around age 17. This was probably right after my son passed away. So he was like, oh, I was diagnosed with migraines then. And he's like, you don't have migraines. He said, these are tension headaches. You have knots and knots and knots mounted on top of each other in your back, neck, jaw, and mouth, like in that area. And I'm like, what? And he worked it out. I've been going to him for years, but I have not had migraines in probably like a good four years. So it was literally physically stored in your body. It was physically stored in my back, my neck. And and when I think about it, it it had started around age 17 was like right after my son passed away. So it was like right at that moment where, okay, I lost a child. I've been, I've dealt with sexual molestation. I basically lost my mom when I lost my grandmother and I'm trying to figure out life and trying to figure out how to process all this, but I I don't really have the support system to do that. So I'm just moving. 
I'm yeah. just keeping it moving. <laughs> oh my God. I, well, listen, there's so many things I want to, I want to ask you, but, uh, crazy or not, nah, you know, like when you're doing this show and you're, I, I imagine you're talking about some of these things, what, mm -hmm. what are you experiencing and what do you come away with it from with? So this last, this, this run was definitely intense. I felt it in many places in my body. Um, though I am so far, I don't want to say so far removed. My daughter, Heaven, is my latest child that passed away. She passed away like in, in 2012. So it's been 10 years. So I'm removed enough from it to not find myself deep in it when I talk about it. But it was still very intense for me to perform this all together in one weekend yeah. several times you know what i mean like yeah i think if i had done it once i probably would have been okay because after the first night i was cool the second night i was great you know the third night i was like oh wow <laughs> this is intense because i'm going through these i'm taking i take the audience on this emotional roller coaster using storytelling stand-up and poetry but you're kind of going through the waves of a bipolar mania individual. I'm mm. taking you on this journey with me for you to decide for yourself, is this crazy or not? Not for you to decide for me because I've already made my conclusion, mm -hmm. but for you to decide for yourself because circumstances I think show up in our lives that we have a choice in that moment. We can say, this can break me. And I don't want to say that mental illness is somebody being broke. But in my particular case, I chose this can either I can either fold to this and say, OK, I'm just the crazy person that everybody was talking about when I was a kid. Or I can choose for myself to, to find answers that are better suited for, for what I need. Mm -hmm. And so this show is like wrapped around that that emotional wave that I really think that we all go through because we all have duality. We all have these two mm -hmm. parts of us. There's one part that wants to feel, be, and do this. And then this other part that doesn't. And when you're talking about people of color, we're also placed into environments and spaces that are not necessarily conducive to our culture and how we respond to things. And so that can be looked at as crazy. For instance, grief, for instance, is not, process the same way in a lot of um, POC families. You know what I mean? And, and that can come off as like crazy when people are making jokes or doing certain things. But in fact, that's just For the way that we exist. Yeah. That's yeah. the culture. You know? That's it's the, the culture. culture. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and I think being more and more self-aware. So this show, what is done, and I had to dig really, really deep to make sure that when I wrote this show, because I am talking about my childhood traumas. I am talking about my dad. I am talking about my mother and her addiction. I am talking about my husband and the infidelity. I am really laying it bare. I, I share so much of things that could be targeted as people being offended. Like my mom could have gotten offended. My husband could have gotten offended. They could have thought I was attacking them. But I made sure when writing this show that I came from a place of compassion, mm -hmm. of just telling my story. I'm mm -hmm. not blaming anybody. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm just taking you on a journey that I have lived in real life. Your experience. And it, yeah. And it, right. I'm taking you on this experience. And I'm also sharing with you how my curiosity led me to different places in my life. And by doing that, 
you know, my husband and my mother and my father was able to walk away from the show really moved by what I shared versus feeling attacked by who they, the role that they had to play in my life at that time. Amazing. Well, that's totally, that is healing. Amazing. Wow. Amazing. 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 That you got that you had that happen. Amazing. I, you know, there's so many things, but we're gonna you're gonna come back. Uh, but but definitely, and next time we'll we'll make it a very smooth experience and not a Sorry. traumatic recording experience yeah. uh for you. I because, love this kind of conversation. I love talking about this stuff. Well, you're you're a real inspiration. I mean, I, I anybody listening will be inspired by what you've been talking about and the curiosity that goes with it and they and the and the real people aren't crazy situations are but people are just trying to navigate we're all just trying to figure it out we're all just trying to take care of ourselves and trying to understand ourselves and a lot of people don't explore that you have and it's a real inspiration now you know tell them tell them where they go to find out more about you before i do that can i share one little tip of something i do that has oh, really please. been helpful yes so this even goes back to the initial question at the top of the show, but I have a gratitude and grace practice. Mm. And so on one side of the page, uh, I typically do this in the morning. I write five to seven things that I'm grateful for. I started out with one way back in the day. So don't feel pressured to have to write five to seven. It's up to five to seven now. But I write this gratitude in the morning. And then at the evening, before I go to bed on the opposite side of the page, I write down five things I offer myself grace for because it was very difficult for me to give myself. It took, I think my healing process took so long and we're never really healed, right? It's yeah. to death, but the, the process to get where I am at acceptance today took so long because I was so critical and I would beat up on how I felt and, and, that, and I would be like, oh, I've made so much progress, but then I would, have road rage and be like, oh, you've made no progress, right? Because of that yeah. one moment yeah. of road rage. So <laughs> yeah. the grace practice really, really, and I only just started this about nine months ago. This grace practice has literally changed my life. Like being able to write down, I give myself grace for getting an attitude with my husband for eating the last piece of salmon, right? I give myself grace for, um, yeah kicking the dog off the end of the bed because he was licking, right? I give myself grace. I love that. Right? You got to, you kind of got to give yourself grace for these things because it's like, if not, you'll just think you're a bad person for making literal common mistakes in unconscious moments when we're not. It's self-compassion. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Absolutely. And it's coming from a place of love, which is so powerful. I give myself grace for, I haven't heard it expressed in that that way. Great. So, yep. so, so that's really... I offer myself grace for. And then my little tidbit that I write at the end is that I accept full responsibility for these actions today, but I know that I am human and therefore I am, I am imperfect and I offer myself grace. I love that. Kelly, that is, I'm going to record that and put that on a tape in my head because wow, <laughs> that is a, that is a wonderful thing to say to yourself, a wonderful thing to say and a wonderful thing that we all deserve. We all deserve, deserve that. Grace. But we can't get it from someone else. We need to get it from ourselves. Gotta come from us. That's yeah. true. So, okay. Well, Kelly, tell them where they go uh, to find out more. You've got a podcast. You've got all kinds of things. I do. I have a podcast called Be Less Petty, which is all about mm-hmm. being less petty with our time, space, and energy. And it is co-hosted by a uh, licensed Illinois therapist awesome. here in Chicago. Yeah. And... um. 
that is on all available streaming platforms. And then I have my website, kellyhoward.com, but that's K-E-L-L-Y-E. So like Kanye, but Kelly. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Well, that that is Bipo- the bipolar diagnosis is strictly coincidental. Um, last name, <laughs> Howard, H-O-W-A-R-D, um, kellyhoward.com and Instagram, Kelly Howard, Twitter, Kelly Howard. Kelly Howard, you are amazing. You are an amazing person. Thank you so much for joining us today, really. Not it's not crazy or not. It's sane and yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, there we go. That's my new one. I'm right. What I, that's what I have to say. Um, this is thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh awesome. we will stay in touch with you. Okay. Oh, awesome. So stay with us here while we say goodbye. We're we, you know, Jennifer Kalari amazing skills just like you heard today you can find all of these things her books you can find classes you can find communities entire communities at connectedparenting.com connectedparenting.com um and come back to our show find us wherever you get your podcast write a review send a note find me a find catch me a catch do whatever you have to do but be nice to yourself things are looking up look for the good I'm Ed Krasnick. We'll see you next time.